Hey everybody, welcome to episode 32 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and our guest this week, Todd Olmeyer, is the CEO of Recruiter Elite, which helps high school athletes navigate the college recruiting process. So college recruiting is a big topic. It's something that we've talked about a lot on this show. Um, I've brought on guests to talk about a wide range of topics, but at the same time, we've had a lot of them touch on this college recruiting piece, whether it be some of the junior players that we have on, some of the college players that I've had on, um, had some college coaches on that have talked about how they build their programs, how they recruit, you know, Conrad Ray from Stanford, Chris Sambry from University of Southern California, Jacob Miller from Tiffid University, and Josh Brewer from the University of Georgia. You know, we've been lucky enough to, you know, have those four guys on uh, from a college coaching perspective to talk about the recruiting process. And Todd himself uh, was a golf coach for about 11 years in the college space, which I'm going to get into here in just a second, because I do want to tell you a little bit about uh, Todd's background. Todd walked on to play golf at Pepperdine University in California, Uh, He's part of the 1997 National Championship team, inducted into the Pepperdine University Hall of Fame. Uh, After college, Todd went on to work for ESPN as a production assistant and operations coordinator. Uh, He then kind of had a moment where, and he's going to talk about this in the interview, you know, he wanted to chase professional golf. He thought that this was a really good time to do it. So Todd went on to try to play uh, professional golf, or not try, but he did play professionally for about three years on the Golden Bear Tour, the Developmental Players Tour, Pro Tour Hawaii, and the Tight Lies Tour. Uh, He's going to talk a little bit about that experience in our interview. Um, Went on to spend some time at the American Cancer Society as the golf manager for North and South Carolina. Uh, Then had an opportunity to go into college coaching at Coastal Carolina University as the associate head coach for men's and women's golf uh, before ultimately he landed at St. Edwards University in Austin, Texas for about 10 years as their head coach of the men's team. So during his time there, uh, he had a really great run, captured 15 team titles, uh, 10 second place finishes, 42 top five finishes in 78 tournaments. Um, He was a four-time Heartland Conference Coach of the Year, and in 2014 was named the South Central Region Coach of the Year. He's definitely got some other accolades uh, in his resume there from St. Edwards University, Division III school in Austin, Texas, Um, but I'm going to kind of jump over some of those because I do want to get into the interview. Uh, In 2018, just a couple years ago, uh, Todd came on, was named CEO of Recruiter Elite, and um, has done a really good job. There's some other companies out there like Recruiter Elite um, that help families and help uh, young players through the recruiting process. Um, I've really had an opportunity to understand what Todd's philosophy is, how they approach the relationship with families, and I really believe in what they're doing and how they're doing it. So um, I would really pay close attention to Todd and Recruiter Elite because I think that um, they are a really good resource 
for those families out there that you know do want to work with somebody um, specifically that's going to help guide them in this process. You know, you can do a lot of it on your own, uh, but sometimes it is nice to have somebody that's there, that's been through it, uh, that understands the ropes. And I think Todd and his team at Recruiter Elite definitely do that. So. In our interview, we're going to talk a little bit about Todd's background, which I just gave you a little bit of a clip on. We're going to talk about what Recruiter Elite is. We're going to talk about the recruiting process, what coaches are looking for, academics, golf ability, personality. We're going to talk about scholarships, um, really all things recruiting. So really had a great conversation with Todd. I appreciate his time and I appreciate all of you tuning in week after week. Thank you very much. Um, You know, I'm pretty humbled by the amount of followers that have continued to tune in, the growth of the podcast, uh, the breadth of the reach uh, that we've seen around not only the country, but around the world. So thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, I encourage you to interact with me. Uh, You can email me at juniorgolfkeys at gmail.com. You can follow me um, and Junior Golf Keys on Twitter, on Instagram, and on LinkedIn, all under the handles Junior Golf Keys. Uh, putting out some different content there, sharing some different content from other, you know, reliable sources that are out there that are experts in the industry. And I think you guys can take away some value from some other content on those different platforms. So I really appreciate you tuning in. You sit tight. I'll be right back with Todd Olmeyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Junior Golf Keys. Our guest this week is the CEO of Recruiter Elite, Todd Olmeyer, and I've got him on the line with me. Todd, how's it going? Great, Matt. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just wanted to have you on and kind of chat about you know, college recruiting, um, Recruiter Elite. I'll let you tell us a little bit about the business, but um, can you start with just kind of your introduction to golf and just tell us a little bit about your path and, and kind of how you got to where you are now? Sure. Um, sports was, was always a part of my, my upbringing and my family's life. My mom worked in our high school athletic department for 20 plus years, I think. And, and my dad was involved in sports television. My stepfather taught, um, and coached a bunch of sport teams growing up. So kind of was always ingrained in us. And then from a golf perspective, um, it was just something we did as a family, whether it was when I was with my dad visiting him or uh, with my brother or my stepfather, my mom, and the rest of my family going out and playing on a Sunday afternoon. Um, golf was just always something we did. And, and probably when I was about 13, I think I, I quit baseball because I all of a sudden realized I'm like, man, this is a lot of fun and, and I really enjoy this game. And, and so growing up in Connecticut, uh, played golf from mid-March to mid-November and then hockey from mid-November to uh, till whenever it was warm enough to get out there and, and start playing regular regular golf. Um, I was decent. I mean, that's a pretty good player for our area. Uh, it was pretty fun. To, I grew up a couple towns over from J.J. Henry, so I used to play a ton of junior golf with him. Okay. Um, had had some, some success in some AJGA events. Uh, um, in the last – last group of the last round one time and didn't play very well, but, but uh, <laughs> learned from that experience. And, and so I, I got a little, some feelers from some colleges and, and my dad lived out in California and, and 
my brother, um, who uh, I played a bunch of golf with growing up, had just moved to Los Angeles, and, and I was lucky where um, visited a few, a number of schools, and, and uh, went and met with the the Pepperdine coach, and, and he offered me uh, a walk on spot, um, and so you know I had an amazing experience there at Pepperdine. Could not um, wouldn't change anything. You know, probably the dumbest thing I ever did in life was graduate. Uh, in four years because that place was, <laughs> <laughs> was so awesome. Yeah. Um, and they're having a great run right now. They're, I think, rank, ranked second in the uh, college golf rankings. Yeah. Yeah, they were second in, in golf week and first in golf stat. Yeah. And uh, so it's pretty uh, it's pretty sad or a bummer that they're not going to be able to, to see what happens or, or play that one out. Right. Um, and, you know, they've got such a deep team. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. But um, – but yeah, so uh, went there and and was kind of a four, five, six, seven guy. I mean, I I had some peaks and valleys and, and played a few a number of events my sophomore year and and played a little bit freshman year um, and and then going into my senior year felt really good about my game and and then suffered a or started dealing with tendonitis in my rotator cuff and that just mm. really derailed me and be, was really just a disappointing and frustrating year, but ended with uh, a pretty awesome experience watching our team uh, win the national championship. And yeah. so uh, as frustrating as it was to, to, to witness that with witness, my teammates and, and best friends accomplish that was from little old Pepperdine was, was pretty awesome. And yeah, that's cool. Um, so after school um, started working, I worked uh, for ESPN in their, um, in their golf coverage back when, when ESPN had a lot of golf coverage and in the late nineties and then uh, kind of got the itch to try to play again. Um, so I said, you know what, I'm single 24, 24, 25 years old. Now's the time to try if I was ever going to do it Yeah. and realized relatively, you know, about a, a year in or not even six to eight months in that while I was a decent player, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be chasing tiger or anything like that. And so tried a little bit longer and then um, decided to go, go back into a real job. And, and while I was working for the American cancer society running uh, golf tournaments uh, for them in North and South Carolina or overseeing all the tournaments run by the American cancer society, I started as a volunteer assistant at a D2 school in Charlotte called, uh, or just outside of Charlotte called Belmont Abbey. And I remember I mean, I can probably p- pick out the spot where I called my wife on the way home from uh, from that drive saying, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And um, so started applying for uh, any golf coaching job I could see out there and was really fortunate to get opportunity to go to uh, Coastal Carolina this is right after Dustin. Uh, it's usually the next question. Was I there when <laughs> Dustin was there? It was right after Dustin left, but he was uh, working with, with Alan at the time. So he would come out and practice quite a bit and, and be around. And, um, so that was a neat experience. And, um, and in, you know, one of the things I was looking for um, when I got into coaching was, was trying to be at a small school. I didn't care if it was D1, D2, D3. I just wanted to be in a small school that was committed to academics and athletics that had um, a year-round golf climate. And and uh, if I had family in the area, that would be a bonus. And, and 
the job at St. Edwards opened up and my brother lives here in Austin and it checked all the boxes that I was looking for. And uh, so left coastal um, for St. Ed's and I, I coached here for uh, coached there for 10 seasons. Uh, we had some, some really good years and, and, you know, some years not so good, but um, got our team to the national championship for the second or for the third and fourth time in program history. Um, and, and had some amazing experience in players while I was there. And, and um, while I was there, I started wanting to be home a little bit more with my kids and, and being a college golf coach is an awesome experience and a lot of fun, but you are working every Saturday and Sunday in, in the fall and, and all spring. And, and so I just wanted to be home a little bit more and I was looking for another opportunity to, to stay involved with college golf um, but sure. they get off the road a little bit. And that's when this thing with recruiter lead opened up and, and it was, became a, a perfect fit for me. So I think I probably yeah. rambled a little bit there, but that's the, that's me in, in a couple minutes. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, we've had the opportunity to connect and, you know, talk about, you know, some of each other's backgrounds and stuff like that. And, um, you know, college recruiting is such a huge topic in, college athletics in general, but, um, golf specifically, you know, is, is what we've got expertise in. So, um, can you, can you tell us what recruiter elite is? And then we can kind of, you know, go down a couple of different paths and talk about, um, you know, some of your experience and then, you know, just give some advice to some of these families that are out there. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, our, the primary goal of recruiter elite is to educate families about the college recruiting process, especially when it's specific towards, or specifically towards golf. So um, there's a couple different avenues that we have where um, it's, I have a web-based app that's got about a hundred videos, scripts, and templates that can really walk a family through every process that they need to, to learn about um, in recruiting. Um, and they can do everything on their own by watching these videos. They are geared. I know sometimes people freak out when they hear a hundred videos or basically and then there's a bunch of scripts and, and templates, but those videos are, they're geared for, for high schoolers and for parents that are busy. So the, the videos are anywhere from 45 seconds to, I think the longest one might be four minutes, five minutes. Um, okay. So they're, they're yep. quick hits where, you know, if you got 10 minutes, you can maybe knock out one or two or three um, here and there. And, and that's kind of how I try to tell families to do it is don't, don't try to sit down and watch everything at once. Take a, take some videos here and there and try to digest them that way. Um, and then yeah. offer also some one-on-one -on -one, um, consulting where if, if maybe a family wants uh, a little bit more individualized attention beyond what's on those videos, someone to walk them, really walk them through the process and you know, check over emails and make sure the resume looks the way coaches want it to to be and, and, and really answer any questions that they have before going on a visit or doing practice uh, interviews with coaches so that a, a family can feel a little bit more comfortable about what they're doing. And, and so those are the kind of the two, two main features of what Recruiter Elite does. I, you know, the reason why, one of the reasons why I wanted to get into it was there were so many times that I would sit in my office with a family after having a visit and then kind of having a confused, perplexed look saying, so what do we do next? I don't know what to do. And so yeah, 
kind of where this came from. Um, John Murphy started it, the business. He was actually a player uh, I recruited as a potential transfer when I was at Coastal. Um, so he kind of, he's built this up a little bit. And then I took it over about almost two years ago now. Um, and, and so it's kind of from a coach's perspective and a player's perspective, um, what you need to know as, as a high school high schooler going through the process. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, the whole college recruiting process is probably one of the most exciting times of a young uh, student athlete's life and probably the, one of the most terrifying at the same time sometimes, or it can be right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Um, so it sounds like you guys, you know, really act as an advisor to, you know, help these families and kind of walk them through the recruiting process. But, you know, I know you and I have talked about this a little bit too, um, you know, offline where, you know, uh, you know, there's some work that goes into that uh, quite a bit from the family's perspective too. You know, it's not just, you know, getting you guys involved and, um, you know, just take a back seat and you're going to handle everything. Right. So can you kind of talk through like, what does the recruiting process look like? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, that might be a pretty wide question. Right now, but I I get what you're, what you're asking and, and it's really, I mean, it is a full-time job in addition to all the other jobs that you've got going on as a college golfer or a high school yeah. golfer and a high school student. I mean, you're, I, I tell my clients, like, if you're looking for someone to, to pay to do everything for you, I'm not the right guy because college coaches, they don't want to hear from, from Todd Olmeyer. They want to hear from Joe Golfer. They want to hear from the family um, and the player who – is the guy that they're or girl that they're trying to recruit. And so, um, you know, one of the things that, that we talk about is, you know, also when I say there's a lot of work is you need to research on these schools and make sure that they're a good fit, both academically and athletically. Um, because there's just, there's a lot out there and a lot of times players feel like, Oh, I'll just mass email every coach and somebody will respond. Well, you know, these coaches spend a lot of time trying to find the right players. And, and so you should respect their time and try to make sure that you're, you're applying to the right or approaching schools that are, that are good fits or potential fits, not super reaches. And I'm not saying you should never have some reaches in there. It's just trying sure. to narrow that, that search down yeah. um, is an important thing, but but it is a lot of work because you've got to look and see, okay, do these schools really have majors that I'm interested in? Is my golf game uh, a fit to that? Do I have the academic background um, to meet the criteria that the university demands from an admission standpoint? And these are all uh, important pieces. And it's also something that kind of going back to, to the recruiter elite business, you know, we do have part of our app is a search tool um, where you punch in your scores and your GPA and test scores. And it kind of will tell you whether a school is a potential fit or not. Um, but I think it is just, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. And I think sometimes families don't realize that, that they need to spend a lot of time making sure um, they're going about it the right way. Yeah. Um, we've had some different college coaches on here and some different young players that have talked about their recruiting process. Um, you mentioned the uh, opportunity for the young players to 
build relationships and connect individually with the coaches. I mean, you were a college golf coach for a long time. Um, you're obviously helping a lot of families now uh, through Recruiter Elite with this process. Why is that such an important piece? Well, I think the the most important one is, is just to make sure that from a, a player's perspective that they're feeling like they, they can get along and, and relationship where they're going to want to play for and listen to the coach. But, and then from a coach's perspective, they've got to see, is this player going to be a good fit for what we're trying to do? Cause every program is run differently. Every coach has got different sets of demands, expectations, um, about how they how they go about doing things and so what yeah. might work for one kid isn't going to work for another and what might work for one coach isn't going to work for another so trying to get to know these players as best you can is is always uh, an important part of of what a coach is trying to do and that's when you know when they're out watching a young player play in a tournament you know obviously they're looking at the, the skill set that the player has and is there room for development and um, you know, how are they going to improve moving forward? But they're also watching how they interact with um, you know, how they interact with the people they're playing with, the tournament uh, officials, their parents. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've seen uh, a kid throw a sandwich at his mom because he wanted ham, not Turkey. Oh, wow. I've seen uh, <laughs> a kid yell at his mom because he was about, he was running late to his first tee time because he was teeing off of number 10, not number one. And he blamed her. And it's mm. like, you know, when coaches see these things, they're like, well, if they're yelling at their parents like this, how, how are they going to yell at me? And or how are they going right. to respond to me? So I think one of, uh, you know, the things that coaches are always trying to do is, is see how their player is going act. Um, and if they're going to be the right fit, I, great piece of advice that I got from Alan when I was uh, uh, working for him at Coastal Carolina was he always, he told me, he said, you know, go watch a player from a half a shot ahead or half a shot behind and see how he's acting and how he's reacting to his shots. Because every kid acts differently. Once they see that coach walk up, they're going to try to act how they think the coach wants them to be. And, Mm -hmm. um, which that's not always the right way either, how they think they need to be, but, um, but trying to get a watch, you know, watch from, watch from the trees, so to speak, um, and really see if you can get an idea of what that, that kid is like. Yeah, for sure. I've had, uh, Josh Brewer on the women's coach, at university of Georgia Mm -hmm. a few months back. And one of the interesting things that he brought up when he was talking about, you know, some of the things that he looks for and when he goes out to a tournament to watch some players was he said, I always go into the clubhouse and I just talk to the staff and I just say kind of an open question. Hey, is there anybody that stands out this week to you? Any players that stands out and, you know, inevitably maybe they get a couple names and, you know, it's, it's they stand out for a good reason or a bad reason. So I just thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, coaches, you know, aren't out there just just watching you on the golf course or, you know, just having a conversation afterwards. But I mean, they're talking to staff and volunteers and people like that just to get maybe a good read on, you know, people that they're trying to, you know, understand a little bit more. For sure. Definitely. Yeah. Um, what other types of things, I mean, outside of going out and watching uh, a player 
perform in a tournament, you know, when you were a coach, what are some other things that you were paying attention to? That's a good question. I mean, kind of how they communicate with me, how regular they are, um, when, when we are talking, are they, are they engaged? You know, maybe the phone call is only going to be, sometimes the phone calls were, are short, five, seven minutes, but are they yeah. at least engaged in that, that time? I mean, I think a coach would much rather have someone be engaged for a short period of time and know that they're there opposed to, you know, having this kind of dull, long drawn out conversation where the, the coach is doing most of the talking now, right. Getting a 14, 15, 16, 17 year old to talk a lot. Sometimes it's hard to do. So really kind of going in with the mindset of, okay, I want to try to get a few questions at, um, answered and, and seeing how they do. Um, then also just also checking when they are communicating, whether it was through email or text, just seeing, you know, are they taking the time to pay attention to what they're writing? Um, you know, is the, doesn't need to be a perfect English paper, but you know, how is how they structure everything that they say? Um, and how is it written? Just, are they going to be able to hold up when it comes to some of the academic uh, requirements of the school. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I would say those are kind of the, some of the main things is just how their communication is. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's say, um, you know, a, a family, uh, whether it's, you know, coaches have reached out to them or they've gone through the process of identifying, um, you know, a group of schools that they're interested in, what should their communication patterns be like uh, with those schools and with those coaches? Um, and, I, and I guess maybe that varies depending on how old they are and, you know, how far along they are in their um, junior career. But is there anything that you would weigh in um, in, in that way just to kind of help the listeners understand a little bit about, you know, a timetable. Yeah, for sure. I think the, the most important thing um, is, is kind of keeping an updated schedule from a, you know, what events you're playing in coaches are now limited in the amount of time that they can go out to tournaments. Um, I mean, they can spend as much time as they want at a tournament, but there's, there's days that they are now restricted to, whereas before, you know, they could, they could go out to as many events as they wanted and, and it's hurt some of the smaller tournaments or even some high school events where a coach might say, Hey, you know, I've got nothing going on this afternoon. I've got a local kid. I'm going to go watch him. Well, now he might not go do that because that's going to burn one of his 45 days. Um, so I do right. think keeping the coach up to date on uh, the schedule is an important thing um, from a time perspective. I think as, you know, as a freshman, you can reach out to coaches and try to get on their radar. Um, they can't communicate with you at that time, but um, letting them know so that maybe if they're at one of your events, they'll come out and watch. Um, and then, you know, that would probably be every three or so months, every quarter, three or four months. Um, and then sophomore year, you can obviously increase that more as, as coaches are able to respond. Um and then, uh, you know, going into your junior year, um, definitely would need to ramp up your communication and updates. Now, you don't need to send a 
an update after every event you play in junior and senior year. You know, it's maybe once a month um, or if a coach is asking for some more information, you can, you can increase that. Um, but, but yeah, I think it does vary a little bit and also varies a little bit on the level of player and where they are kind of you alluded to where they are in their, um, in their junior golf career. Um, yeah. And because sometimes, you know, they, they might not, but as a freshman or sophomore, they might not feel like they're, they're ready to try to play college golf yet. Um, but I will say that if, if that's your goal when you're a freshman or sophomore to not to lose that, because whether there are, if you want to play college golf, there's an opportunity for you to play college golf somewhere. And I've always said when I was, you know, in this job and when I would speak at AJGA events or other um, junior golf tour events, you know, you might not carry the bag you dreamed of or played in the, the climate that you had envisioned, but there are opportunities for everyone to play college golf somewhere who wants to play. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's go a little bit further into that because I, I've seen young players um, make decisions to go to certain schools uh, sort of just because of the name of that school. Yep. Um, whereas, you know, they may show up and uh, not really have a great opportunity to play there. And so, uh, you know, I, I would venture to guess that most kids that are wanting to go play college golf want to actually play, um, you know, not just practice every day and not get an opportunity to play in tournaments. So, I mean, how do you, how do you see that, I guess? And then how do you, work with families kind of to help them, I guess, open up their eyes to the opportunities that are out there and, you know, why it's really important to, you know, factor in how much or how little you're going to have an opportunity to play at that school. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the big one. And uh, I mean, I just look at my, my personal experience. Again, I said, I wouldn't trade (laughs) my experience at Pepperdine for a moment, but in hindsight, looking back, you know, I probably was a little over my, or not was probably, I mean, I was a little over my skis when it came to being out there and I could have gone somewhere where I could have played a lot more. Um, it might've had a mm-hmm. better golf experience, but um, I also kind of teetered back and forth in that I got to play alongside um, some amazing players every day at practice that have, have done some pretty stellar things in the game of golf. So I don't know, yeah. maybe I learned more from, from being around them than I would have playing in tournaments. I, I doubt it, but, um, but so trying to, to go back to your question of determining what is a realistic expectation of, of playing. And, and I think it is a little bit difficult to see, but I think one of the things that um, gets lost on people is they're, they're trying to get their the scoring average is so important to them. And, and while yes, scoring is an important facet, I do think that coaches are looking at how a player is up against the f- competition that they're um, playing against every week. Um, so if yeah. you're, yeah, I mean, I, like the example I say is like, or one of the examples I'll use is, you know, the winner of the U S open shoots, you know, around par, <laughs> right. And the winner right, of right. the, uh, in Palm Springs shoots like 28 under. Does that mean that the player who shoots 28 under is better than the guy that wins the U S open? Now they might be the same person, but 
So what I'm trying to say is like, yeah, it's a lot of times cap uh, comparing apples to oranges because of the lengths that courses are, uh, the kids are playing. And, and so their scoring averages may be different. So I always focus on trying to, to see how you stack up against the field. Um, you know, finishing third in a field of 60 is a lot better than finishing third in a field of field of six. And um, yeah, so kind of gotten off on a tangent here, but, but yeah, I, I think from my experience as a coach, the players who are playing are the ones that are happier than the ones that are not. And so trying to find that spot where you can play opposed to carry, you know, carry a bag every day at practice um, is, is what you really want to try to do. Um, and so yeah. maybe it's opening your eyes to some D2 or, or D3 options um, because still some really good golf being played at, at these lower levels that, that they don't always get the credit for. Um, and so I think, yeah, for sure. There's, that yeah, I think there's a big, um, yeah, I, I agree. And I think there's a big misconception sometimes when it comes to, you know, division one is the strongest golf and there are a lot of really strong D one schools and, uh, playing for a division one national championship is a huge deal. But with that being said, I mean, there are D two, D three NAIA schools that, could hold their own against a ton of D one schools. Um, I mean, there's a NAIA school out in Oklahoma city. Yeah, Oklahoma I can't city. remember yeah. what the actual name yeah, it's Oklahoma city. is. That what it is? Yeah. I mean, they've won the national championship a right. ton of times and I think they're, I mean, the worst player on their team averages like 70 right. or less. Uh, I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, or are you um, look, can you kind yeah, of talk I mean, about that a little bit? Like, right. You know, right there in Florida, you've got a bunch of really good D2 um, men's golf and, and women's golf programs. But, I mean, Lynn, on the men's side, I can't remember. I know they've won at least one or two D1 events with some some decent teams in the field. And, and there's some other ones that, that do pretty yeah. well. USC Aiken, they host an all D1 uh, field at, at their event. And, and some years they, they post some pretty good scores against some some pretty good competition. And, and I think the thing that families yeah. need to look at more, obviously you know, super important. And you want to try to go to the best academic school that you, that makes financial sense. But, um, yeah. but from a golf perspective is, you know, what are the practice facilities like? What's the tournament schedule like? And what's your access to those practice facilities outside of um, outside of your scheduled practice time? So, you know, if you've got, you know, whatever day of the week, all the most important things I think a kid needs to look at is, is what, what access do they have to practice and playing on their own time? Because that's how you're going to get better. Um, I know you had Conrad on. Yeah. And, and Conrad talked about it too. And I used to tell it to my recruits, you know, we've got the 20 hours a week that we use for our, our team um, for structured practice that the NCA you know, limits, but the guys who are competing or trying right. to play professionally after school, they're putting in at least another 10, sometimes 20 hours between practice, playing fitness, 
uh, rehab and recovery, it's, you know, a lot of that work is on your own. And so being access stuff um, outside of scheduled practice time, I think is, is something that's really important. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've had that conversation with several college coaches just about, you know, putting in the work and putting in the time, you know, those that are going to, you know, just show up and kind of go through the motions. It's like anything, right? It's like any sport growing up, you know, if you're just showing up to practice and, uh, you know, even if you're putting in the max effort in practice, there's people that are, you know, working around the clock when you're not, um, you know, you're going to maybe fall behind a little bit. And, you know, eventually that, you know, talent is definitely a factor, but, you know, that work can outweigh the talent. Um, I can't remember what that saying is hard work beats talent and talent doesn't (laughs) work. Um, So I remember my dad, when he was on the show, I was talking about, um, you know, his mentor and one of his coaches growing up used to always kind of plant this seed in his head that, you know, just, just remember that when you pack it up at the end of the day, uh, because of the different time zones and people all around the world, there's always going to be somebody working when you're not. So just think about that when you decide that you're going to, you know, pack it up for the day. So I just thought that was kind of always an interesting thing that he kept in the back of his head while he was, you know, practicing yeah, and preparing. I mean, that's definitely, um, you know, and, and again, going back to the kind of the coaching philosophy, Alan used to say, Hey, I want you to be the first, first guy at the golf course when you're recruiting and the last guy to leave and, and something that, that I definitely tried to do when I was out recruiting and um, you know, it's, it's always yeah. that, that ability to do stuff on your own is going to make the difference. Um, and going back to For sure. kind of opportunities, I mean, there's, there's some other opportunities out there. We, we obviously talked about the NCAA and, and NAIA schools, but there's also this new boom in, in club golf and, and they've got some funding now where they're in association with the, um, with the PJ of America. And I think you had Chris, right. You had Chris Noble on the show at one point and, and, uh, and, and with, I did. Yeah. Yep. National and high school with, golf. But what I was getting to is with the club golf is, is really grown and it's another opportunity for maybe somebody who's competitive in golf, but wants to go to either a specific school um, because they want to attend the big football games or basketball or whatever, or a, a sporting or not, sorry, supporting or an academic program that, that just really is what they're looking for. Or maybe it's cool and they're going to get a huge academic scholarship, but they still want to try to play golf I and mean, club golf. Um, I, I wouldn't have recommended it maybe five or seven years ago. Um, but now it's, it's definitely right. Um, something that that's an option or an alternative where you're still playing in, you know, three or four events a semester. I mean, that's pretty good. And so I, I definitely would encourage families to, to yeah. look into um, the, the club golf as an option. I know I've got a couple clients that have, have decided to go that route because one, um, actually both times they got huge academic scholarships to stay in state, but also they wanted, um, you know, kind of a bigger, bigger school and a bigger atmosphere than, than their golf would lend uh lend to them to play. And, and, uh, you know, I think going again, um, back to the earlier thing about, about playing and, and divisions one, two, and three, I mean, you know, there's a, again, some really good, strong schools in the South that, 
are at the D2 and D3 level where you're able to play year round and you've got that facility outside um, versus, you know, some other schools where, you know, that's not the case where the weather's maybe not as good. And then a, the weather's not good and B, they don't have an indoor facility, but if they've got the, the D1 label, they might win out on, on some other um, smaller, lesser known programs that have golf year round. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, those are good points. Um, and yeah, back to, uh, you know, that club golf, um, you know, next gen golf, which, you know, I think runs most of that now, which was purchased by the PGA of America. They've got some, some really good tournaments and stuff, like you said, to play in. So I've, I've connected with Chris Hart, um, their director and I believe founder of next gen golf. Um, before on that and he's got some great information and he hooked me up with uh chris noble like you said to kind of talk about some opportunities for some of the younger players in high school but definitely a lot of good opportunities out there in the college world for sure um let's shift and talk about everybody's favorite topic (laughs) scholarships um (laughs) just want to uh kind of get your insight a little bit i know that you know we've talked about this before but um you know, I think scholarships are a big topic of conversation when uh, student athletes are, you know, looking at schools. Uh, golf isn't a fluent sport, but um, at the same time, you know, college right. is expensive, right? So, um, you know, families are looking for opportunities where, you know, their student athletes can earn money uh, because of their athletics. And I just kind of want to get a better understanding of what types of scholarship opportunities are available out there for men and for women, sure. you know, across different divisions. Um, let's kind of touch on the last part first is so in, in division one on the men's okay. side, there's four and a half scholarships and the women um, it's uh, six. And then D two is uh, 3.6 for the men and 5.4 for the women. And then there's no, um, no scholarships at the D three level. NAIA on the men's side, it's five, and I'm drawing a blank on the women's side, how many they offer there. Um, but I think yeah. the, the thing that gets lost on okay. parents a lot is um, those scholarship numbers are for fully funded golf programs, um, and not every school is fully funded. Okay. So, you know, you might have – okay, well, you know, they're, they're a D2 school, and they get 3.6 scholarships, but – they actually might only have 1.8 scholarships or two scholarships that they can divvy out among um, their program. And so there's also some conferences and I'm not sure how much it happens on the D one level as it does on, on the D two level, but there are some conferences out there where they have an agreement. Okay. In men's golf, we're only the most that we're going to go as an instant, as a collection of institutions is 80% of whatever the NCAA limits uh, scholarship wise. So, you know, if there's, if hmm. that conference or, you know, if the NCAA for D2 says 3.6, that conference agrees, Hey, we're only going to do 80 or 90% of 3.6. So there are some, some limitations out there that families definitely aren't aware of. I think the biggest one is, is schools being, whether they're fully funded or not, um, and so, yeah. and I think that's one thing that families got to remember Two is, you know, well, let's just take men's golf and D one of four and a half scholarships. Um, a roster is generally 
nine to 12, nine to 10 players. Um, and not everybody's getting a right. scholarship. Right. So, um, the, you know, everyone thinks, sure. Oh, well, they're going to get a full scholarship and, and life is going to be great. Well, there's just, there's just not that much money floating around. It's not football and basketball where you've got, um, basically a full roster full of full scholarships. Um, so I think families going into that, knowing that the full scholarship is an anomaly in golf. They just don't happen very often um, is, is an important place to start. Yeah. Um, but it also is good ammunition or thoughts of, Hey, son or daughter, you need to continue to focus on your academics because earning an academic scholarship um, is another way to help offset the costs of the university. So, um, because yeah, schools are super expensive right now and, and, um, you know, they're not, I don't, I don't think the price of school is going down anytime soon. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think so. And, you know, yeah. So when I asked the question about scholarships, I'm, I'm, I'm gearing yep. it more towards athletic scholarships, but you're right. I mean, there's opportunities out there, you know, for you families and for you young players that are listening, um, you know, academics is another great opportunity, like Todd said, to offset some of that cost. You know, if you can come in as a strong athlete, as a strong student, you've got a lot yep. of opportunity. And, uh, there, I mean, correct? in addition to that, a, a coach loves seeing a strong because they know that if, if the student is, is doing well academically, that probably means they've got their things in order and, and aren't going to have to worry about them as much. So, uh, I mean, I always talk about too, if like, you know, you've got two players that from a golf perspective are the same um, and there's a big differential in their GPA or their test scores. I, I think the coach is more than likely going to go with the student that's, that's doing well um, because they know when they get to school, it's not going to be, yeah, that's big of an issue, but yeah, I mean, and the nurse also, obviously we talk about golf is, um, you know, it takes some money to play golf. Um, and so people think, Oh, it's a country club sport and everybody's that plays golf. has got money and, and that's not always the case. And again, with the cost of, of college is going up, it's, it's a, a different conversation. Um, so there are grant assistant programs at every university that help offset the cost um, so that's, that's something also to, that almost, I think every institution has to make you fill out a FAFSA, um, to get started. So I think that's another, uh, way to, to look at ways of, of making, um, or earning money. So, um, yeah. Yeah. When you had mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, schools being fully funded, how, how would a family know that? They don't have to publish it anymore. It's more of just, I or think would it's they? something you you could probably ask the coach about um, might be, you know, talking, talking scholarship is, is always a little sensitive, but um, you know, I, I think yeah. they don't have to publish that anywhere. So it is hard to find that out. It's more of something to think about um, to keep in mind when talking with, with a coach or a program. Um, you know, I don't, while I think coaches are okay. trying to find the right dollar figure to get somebody in, it's not like, um, you know, s selling a car or something or sure. <laughs> they make more money based on, uh, you not 
you taking a, a lower offer. Um, you know, they want to do what they can right. to help their program, but they also want to make sure they get the student athlete that they want. And there's no, there's no like financial gain to them not using any scholarship money. It doesn't give them a, a greater budget or a bonus at the end of the year. So they're, right. they're trying to make the best deal that they can for, for the family that makes yeah. sense for yeah. that program. Makes sense. Um, so we're kind of in an interesting time right now um, with COVID-19 and, you know, universities have suspended um, athletics uh, for the foreseeable future until uh, we figure out what's going on with this. And we were kind of talking about it the other day. What can families and recruits uh, be doing right now in this time? Um, it's kind of like a holding pattern. It feels kind of interesting. Actually, this morning I was playing golf with um, a kid that's a senior in high school. And, you know, this week and next week, uh, he was supposed to be going on some recruiting visits. He had a whole thing mapped out. They were going to visit um, five or six different schools. And, you know, he's really looking forward to that. Um, so we were just kind of talking through like, you know, well, what do you do now um, that you can't really go anywhere? And, you know, it's tough to meet with anybody and stuff like that. What kind of advice? Yeah, do you have I mean, it's things? definitely a tough time. And, and so the NCA, I think it's April 15th is the earliest that they they would start allowing families to do visits again. Um, I did see somewhere online some people doing some virtual tours um, of campuses and facilities. Um but I think, you know, now's a, a good time. I, I think coaches don't really know exactly how this is all going to affect everything and, and play out moving forward. Um, so th- they might not have yeah. too many answers when it comes to that. But I, I, I do know that, um, you know, if you're staying in contact with these coaches and saying, hey, this is, you know, the schedule that we have mapped out provided everything happens. I think that's, that's one thing to do, but also take this time to, to grow as a, as an individual. Um, I've had a couple players who've had their SAT or ACT tests get postponed. So now they're just using this lack of, uh, of school time to uh, study a little bit more, or at least that's what they're telling me um, to study a little bit okay. more for those tests <laughs> and, and get ready for them. Um, and, and again, taking this time to, to work, you know, maybe it's, you're working out in your garage, um, on a fitness perspective, or, uh, if you're able, if your golf course is open, um, getting out there and playing when you can, but, uh, you know, again, it's kind of showing some initiative yeah. and, and being on you to try to figure out some ways to, to help get you better so that when things do re- return to normal, um, you're not feeling like you're behind yeah for sure i mean i think like you said this is a good opportunity to maybe set yourself apart in some different ways maybe some non-obvious ways that you would typically think um just depending on what you're able to to do and um you know like you said if your golf course is open or you're able to practice or anything like that so um you know just an opportunity to kind of you know separate yourself in some other ways maybe that you haven't thought of and, a, and a, definitely a good time to, to plan and prepare for, you know, when things do go back to normal, you can right. hit the ground for running. Sure. Um, well, I want to be conscious of your time and I want to move towards wrapping up. Is there anything else that, you know, from a recruiting perspective, we haven't talked about today that you think is just super important? Yeah, there's to a couple, one, one thing that I'm thinking about that we probably 
I don't think I really touched on. And, and um, I think parents, you know, who might be listening, they're play an important part, obviously, um, you know, they're funding all of this, but, but trying to put extra pressure and getting mad at, at players for playing poorly isn't, isn't going to help them play better. Um, and, and I do think coaches do look at yeah. how, how parents act and respond on the golf course to how their son or daughter is playing um, is another thing to be mindful of, you know, the shaking the head, the slamming the hat on the, on the thigh um, all when, when things aren't going well um, is again, I don't, I don't think it's helping the kid. Um, and if a coach is seeing that they're, yeah. they're going to wonder, wonder about it. Um, because now I think uh, I'm trying to remember, I, I listened to a couple of your podcasts and I can't remember who was talking about it, but you know, the, the, the player's always going to want to, is always looking for the, the parent's approval and no matter what yeah. um, they say or do is that's, you know, um, they're going to be looking towards that and for that. And, and so trying to help your child through this the best way possible is to continue to be supportive um, and, and, and not try to apply additional pressure. I've had, I've had players where I've had to show them their scoring average, the difference between when they're, when they're scoring average at tournaments, when their dad is there and when their dad is not. And, and, and it's, it's been pretty yeah. drastic sometimes. Um, and so I think it's from feeling that pressure. Yeah. Uh, I, I think. Yeah, for sure. I actually had a conversation with an instructor uh, recently about the exact same thing. Uh, dad's kind of been in and out of the, um, I get not picture, but he's just hasn't been around much this year following in tournaments and different stuff like that. Um, but there's a noticeable difference when he shows up that it's a completely yeah. different person that's yeah. playing on the golf course. So unfortunately, um, you know, whether the, the student or the child's trying to block it out, uh, the parent maybe is not trying to act that way when it happens. And I think um, it might've been Ryan Daly that was yeah. talking about it with that's operation it 36. Um, he was just, yeah, he was just talking about, you know, unfortunately when those things happen, you know, even though you may not mean to react a certain way, right. like it, it still happens. Right. And that still is something that is in the back of that kid's mind. Um, so yeah, I think the more that, you know, parents can help be a positive influence, um, help be supportive, um, and just kind of, you know, for lack of better words, kind of staying in that parental lane versus, you know, the instructor or the, you know, the fitness coach or, um, you know, different stuff like that, you know, everybody can collectively work together because ultimately everybody that's involved in working with a player, uh, wants to help them right. succeed and get right. to and, the next and, level. And going along with that same thing is, you know, let, you know, it's okay to, to help with the recruiting process and, and kind of be the manager of it, but really let the player handle it. Um, and same thing going on, on interviews and meeting with coaches um, or going on visits, I should say, and meeting with coaches. Like, I think it's great for the parents to be there and be supportive and maybe help direct or steer answers if they, if they find that their son or daughter can, excuse me, or is not finding the, uh, you know, how to answer the question, maybe you can say, Hey, you remember when this happened, 
or, you know, just open up so that the player can then talk. Cause right. the player, the coach wants to get to know the player. They don't, they don't need, I mean, obviously they want to have a, not the parents, but, um, but they're really there to, to meet the player. Like we had talked earlier is, is that's the, that's who's coming to play for them for four years. Not the, not the mom or dad. Yeah, Josh. Yeah. And Josh Brewer and I talked about that too. Um, I think he said something like, you know, the first phone call, maybe the second, like I'm okay with the parent being on and stuff like that. But after that, like, you know, you just need to kind of let us build a relationship being the coach and the player, um, you know, build that relationship. And so, you know, it's, it's not anything against the parent, but they just want to dig in and really develop a relationship with those players. Cause like you said earlier, we spend in the next, you know, four or five years, with them they want to make sure right. that it's a kind of even going fit. with what i'm doing now like i'll have the parent be on the first call maybe the second and then i only i really only deal with with the player and i'll check in with the parent from time to time but you know the the, the player's going to be more honest and be more of who he, who he or she is without mom or dad looking over the shoulder and so you know one of the one of the conversations i have yeah like, right off the bat, my first talking with the the player without mom or dad is like, is this really what you want to do? <laughs> because sometimes it's mom or dad's dream for, yeah. for them to play college golf, not, not theirs. And, um, you know, and then there might sure. be a, a situation where the kid wants to go to a particular school because they offer a particular major he wants, but mom or dad wants him to to go to another school because they want him to major in something completely different. And so, you know, talking about those things, yeah. you know, it, it then helps me to help him or her have that conversation with their parents of saying like, okay, well, I actually want to study this, not that kind of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting topic of conversation. I mean, I've listened to some different thought leaders you know, talk about, you know, parenting and, you know, even just how things have kind of evolved, um, you know, from generation to generation, you know, I think my parents' generation, um, you know, the typical flow was to get the degree and get a, you know, conservatively safe long-term job. Um, right. You know, the market's a little bit different now. So, I mean, you know, there's different opportunities, whether it be entrepreneurial or, you know, just different structures of work environments that, um, you know, I remember when I had a couple conversations with my dad about, you know, switching up careers and doing different stuff um, that maybe seemed a little right. bit more risky to him, um, aren't as risky as maybe they were when he was going through the process at my right, age, for sure. um, you know, when he was at my age. Definitely. So, you know, yeah, things change and things evolve. And, um, and I was just going to throw out there too, you're just talking about, you know, coaches communicating with players. Um, and I just wanted to give some like reassurance back to those players that are listening that, you know, if you're nervous talking to a coach, that is a hundred percent expected yeah. from the coach's perspective. Um, you know, they talk to a lot of players um, throughout the year. They know that um, they're used to having those conversations and helping you work through it. They're there to help you. Uh, right. They're not trying to stump you or anything like that. Um, they just want to have real open you, dialogue and get to know you. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Well, Todd, I, I think it's been great. Time. I really yeah. appreciate it. Um, 
I'm going to flip it back to you. I don't know that you listen. Um, so I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask yeah. me a question um, or two if you want to. About a little bit just in general and, and kind of want to start asking more people this question just that love golf is like when I say your favorite round of golf, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Ooh, uh, well, <laughs> people might want to punch me through the phone, but my favorite round of golf is uh, I play. I had the opportunity when I graduated college oh, that's uh, awesome. to play Augusta National with my dad. And it was unbelievable. Um, you know, I didn't play the best, but it was nothing to do with the score. Yeah. Uh, it's just that experience. So, I mean, that's by far uh, the awesome. only thing that popped Very into cool. my head when you asked that question. Uh, yeah. Somewhat yeah. similar. How about um, you? I One of my biggest kind of, I don't want to say regrets because it's not a regret, but like I'm bummed that I never played Pebble Beach with my dad. And when he passed, when he passed away, he passed away in September okay. of 17. And so that, I guess that December, um, my roommate teammate from college, he and I went up to Pebble with our families as kind of a, just a, they did, they did so much great stuff for my family during when my dad was sick and when he passed away and just, he lived like 10 minutes from my dad. But so we went up there and we played Pebble Beach and I used my dad's putter and we told stories about my dad for 18 holes and it was awesome. Mm. So that's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's really cool. Thanks. Well, yeah. Sorry was, for uh, your loss, I mean, but that sounds like a really I cool think, experience. You know, just added, you know, my wife and kids being there and the weather at Pebble can always be a little uh, crazy sometimes. And, and I mean, we could not have gotten a more beautiful day and it was sure. just uh, all around an awesome day. Neat, neat. That's really neat. Um, yeah, it's it's funny how that stuff works out. My dad and I were just telling that story last week. Uh, he came in to visit, and we were talking about how he picked me up in Kentucky on the way down. He was coming from Ohio, and it was actually cold and <laughs> rainy and I think even snowing a little bit Yeah, and because uh, we played in February, and we showed up in Augusta. Oh, wow. And we stayed there on site the night before and uh, we woke up the next morning and it was uh, a beautiful sunny day. It was cooler, um, really cool. but it was just a perfect awesome. day. So um, somebody was looking really out for cool. us. Well, for I got sure. one more question for you. Um, yeah. So you're obviously All a right. big fan of golf and I think we're both always trying to, to learn or get better um, and curious or just entertained What's your favorite either um, golf-related podcast or social media follow um, going right now? Who man. Um, gosh, that's a good one. I There isn't one that jumps out. I think more from an entertainment okay. perspective, I yep. do listen to the Barstool uh, Foreplay Golf podcast. It's not necessarily for a, um, you know, I'm trying to learn a bunch, but I think that, you know, those guys being, you know, amateur players, they get some pretty good guests on there. Um, 
you know, their, their conversation is more comical, I think. Um, but that's, that's one of the ones that I follow. Um, but I would say like, um, I really like following some of the instructors on Instagram. Um, you know, some of those big names that are out there just because I, I really, I like this show that it's not necessarily on Instagram, but, uh, Chris Como is doing this show on the golf channel now where he's got, um, different guests that come on and they're doing some little playing lessons and stuff like that. I watched an episode a couple of days ago with uh, Boyd Summerhays, who's Tony Finau's coach. And he was out there with Tony and his kid and Boyd's uh, two kids, Preston Summerhays, yeah. actually three kids, Preston, who's the U S junior am champion. And then uh, Grace, who I think she's won like the women's amateur in the state of Utah, like the past two years or something like that. And then he's got a younger son as well. Um, so I know I, I follow Boyd and, you know, Gankus is a guy that I, I like to follow coaches that kind of have unique and different perspectives just to kind of continue to see what's going out on out there and how things are evolving. So I don't know, there's not a big one that stands out to me. It's kind of just a collective group of some of the innovators I feel like that are going on right now. You know, the one that just started about yourself, anything jump out to you brother on the college golf live stuff recently. And we had, now I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he, he runs the fried egg. I don't know if you've seen it, but he, he's got some, he's big into kind of golf okay. course architecture and he's got some really cool video. Um, he's put together some really neat uh, footage of yeah. sand and dunes and some other places. And so that's just one I've been looking at that I think is, is pretty cool. So. Yeah. Okay. Neat. I'll have to check it out. Good deal. Well, Todd, I appreciate your time. I've had a lot of fun. I think we definitely have given the audience some good information around college recruiting. Um, Before we sign off, how can people get connected with you and your team if they're Uh, looking for help and support with their recruiting process? RecruiterElite.com. My email is Todd at Recruiter, T-O-D-D, at RecruiterElite.com. And then my cell phone, um, 512 six, three, eight, zero, one, nine, one. Um, you know, I've, I've always got that with me. So I used to make the joke that it, I only, I didn't answer it when I was changing diapers. Other than Good. that, I'd always answer it. Now, now my kids are out of diapers, but so I try to answer it no matter what, so, uh, <laughs> but yeah, any of those ways are the best way to, to learn more about us. And, and, you know, if you go to the golf.recruiterelite.com, uh, there to, uh, um, to, to the app, and, and so I would just say, you know, if anybody is interested, yeah. um, anyone who listens, if they want to reach out to me and, and mention that you heard me here, I'd give them a, a pretty steep discount on our app as well. So, um, you know, they can, they can always do that too. Okay. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for doing that. Really appreciate it. All right. Good deal. Well, thanks, Todd. Appreciate your time. All right. Take care. Well, that wraps up episode 32 of Junior Golf Keys with our guest this week, Todd Olmeyer, the CEO of Recruiter Elite. 
And I hope you guys were able to take away some valuable information from this conversation with Todd. I know that uh, he and his team are really focused on helping families and young players navigate their college recruiting process. So if that's something that you want some help with as a family, um, I would encourage you to reach out to Todd and Recruiter Elite. Uh, He gave out his information at the end of the show, as you heard. So uh, I would connect with him and his team. Uh, They're surely to point you in the right direction and help you through the process. So as I always ask, if you took some value away from this show, please like it. Please leave it a review. Also, please share it. um, And don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we have coming up. And I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.